Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalp would be thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. You know, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo or personality. Eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. we got another episode for you today. Going to be another Malifaux one. So, got myself Pete here again and got a guest on the show today. we got John Fox with us. And, John, you're from North Carolina. And how long have you been uh, playing the Malifaux for? Oh, Lord. I think uh, I'm at six, maybe seven years now. I started... At the very beginning of second edition, so however long that ago that was, it's been a while. <laughs> okay, so I mean, and obviously, if you're playing a game for that long, I mean, Malifaux really has to be speaking to you pretty hard. So, I mean, just I, I know that people are, that are listening to this obviously probably know a lot about Malifaux, but just real quick, what is something about the game that you really love and enjoy more than other games? A hundred percent, it's the fact that I have over those six seven years played you know, several hundred games of Malifaux. And I can't think of any two games that played exactly the same versus other games I've played. I mean, I've played Guild Ball. I've played War Machine. I've played AOS. I've played Old School Warhammer. Um, going back to even playing, like, Hero Clicks and Mage Knight games, you know, could get really stagnant. Some games you figure out before you even put on the board who's going to win. Malifaux... It's not like that. Every game is a new game. Yeah, and I, I'll say coming from Guild Ball specifically, I know that especially since they kind of really came to a dead stop with releasing new models and new factions and stuff, uh, it definitely became stagnant because you're just scoring 12 points and even your turn one is almost always the same with whatever faction you like running in uh, Guild Ball. So I will say Malifaux, has, it's definitely fresh. It's exciting for me and I agree. I, I haven't had a game yet that I've been like, oh, yeah, man, this, I did the exact same thing. It's like, no, that that just doesn't happen in this game. No, because, I mean, even if you play the same crew, you can switch things up and the way you play or the objectives that you're playing for, like, can change drastically. Like, say I grab Wong. I have, what, like, probably 12, 13 models total, not counting, you know, out of keyword models that mm -hmm. I can go to grab and change my list up. And suddenly it's a very, very different list. Like playing Wong with uh, Swinecursed is a lot different than playing Wong with a Pigapult tossing stuffed piglets all over the place. Yeah, and that kind of gets into what we're going to be talking about with the show today. So something that I'm going to start doing, uh, just kind of something that I don't think is really available a lot in the Malifaux community right now is just an episode to break down the factions. So I'm going to kind of get on random people, not random people, people that know their faction. They know about a lot of the different keywords and they know how they play and how they feel and what people are going to like and enjoy. Because I just started playing Malifaux probably about eight months now, maybe. And when I first got into the game, I really had no idea the difference between the different factions. And I started with Outcasts and they're, they were fun. You know, they, they hit hard and stuff. But then I started playing Bayou, and that's kind of where I really started enjoying the game. 
uh, just because I started to explore it and listen to some of the, the background and just found that this is kind of the faction that I'm going to be playing for quite a while. Uh, so I got John Yuan here to talk about Bayou today. So I hope hope you got your hat on because <laughs> your big hat on because we're going to be uh, talking some uh, Bayou for quite a bit here. Absolutely. I'm always up to talk uh, about Bayou, especially, you know, I've got uh, the Bayou Breakdown uh, page where I'm writing articles and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I've done a couple of deep dives for Craig on Third Floor Wars. So I've been playing for a <laughs> little while. Like, uh, I kind of know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I actually did have to apologize to John because we actually referenced his article on the show. And I was like, I don't know who wrote this, but it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> especially when we were talking about it in the bayou chat like two or three days yeah. before you posted it <laughs> well, i actually didn't connect i didn't well that's because on the facebook group i didn't i didn't recognize john that you're actually the bayou breakdown because that's what you are on facebook yeah yeah so it took me like probably longer than it should have to connect the dots there it's uh, all good i i was uh i was kind of thrilled i was like cool that's that means that uh somebody's reading it i got one person one person <laughs> reading it that's fantastic Yep, and the dozens of listeners of the Rage Quit Wire now know about it. Absolutely. So, so uh, let's just kind of start off with general. Let's talk about the background of Bayou just to start off, because hopefully people listening to this are familiar with the general lore of Malifaux. So where does the Bayou or the Gremlins, as they were called in uh, previous editions, where do they kind of fit in fluff-wise? Like, what are they doing in the world? Well... There's not a lot of background about exactly where they came from, except that they are Malifaux natives, we're pretty sure. But they're not mm-hmm. quite like the Neverborn who have this agenda of going around taking out tyrants and stopping the humans and that kind of thing. Uh, gremlins are just kind of hanging out in the bayous doing their thing. And uh, the important thing about gremlins is they've seen people come in. They've seen all these really interesting things happening with these humans. And they like some of the aspects of human culture. So they've mm-hmm. stolen it. But the problem is they, they're not quite smart enough to really understand what they're stealing. This weird little cultural appropriation that they're doing um, comes out in some very, very strange ways. Like uh, Somer, you know, noticed all of these people were very important to the guild were wearing hats. And he determined that whoever has the biggest hat is the best leader. So yep. he got a real big hat and he was the leader. Well, then Ophelia noticed the uh, Latigo um, and all of the, the family guys hanging out. And he noticed she noticed that Perdita also had a really big hat. So during a raid, she stole Perdita's hat and her hat was a little bit bigger, which ticked Sommer off. So he went <laughs> and added to his hat to make it even bigger. So they like to take like, you know, human culture and then just like twist it around a little bit in their weird um, gremlin way. Yeah, I get a very kind of deliverance feel from them sometimes where they're kind of like when people intrude on their home or they intrude too much. They're kind of like, you want to know you need to go back the way you came and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take care of you if you don't get out of here. Yeah, they, they are that, definitely a little little on the scary side if uh, you encounter them and you don't have a big enough group with you. Yeah, and I was going to say, there was actually a really cool uh, story early on in the Breachside broadcast and the background where there's actually archaeologists that went into 
I, I think they went into the kin or maybe it was Somer's camp it, or maybe it was in Ma's camp. I, I don't think they specifically said, but basically they saw how like they're like a family unit and the guy's writing about it in his journal, like describing how, you know, kind of they're somewhat intelligent, but still animalistic. And then by the end of it, the Bayou gremlins ended up poisoning uh, all the people that he was in there with doing this expedition and they ended up being killed and never seen from again. And they just found the guy's journal. So it, it just goes to show you kind of how wild and crazy this faction is. And clever. That's probably where Bayou yeah. sits. Um, you know, never born or deliberate. Um, they have, you know, specific tactics, but the, the gremlins are clever. You know, they're not very intelligent, but they have this, like you said, almost like animalistic sort of like, uh, you know, just like cleverness that can get them through, you know, they build traps, they, you know, they, they sneak up on people, they, they come to the right conclusion, just in probably the most catastrophic ways. And I got to ask you, John, because I know some people are, so you have, you're looking at all these masters and stuff, and you start looking at, they all kind of look the same, you know, they all have their different flavor, but then you see this Captain Zip with a jetpack, and you're like, how does a gremlin Get this jetpack and this zap gun. So, I mean, can you just show us a little bit of the fluff of Zip before we kind of move on to actual cards and, oh, and play? Zip is the reason that uh, I fully jumped into Bayou. So, uh, my son played um, for a while till he went off to college and he had Bayou. And, you know, so I helped him build some of the stuff and I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Well, then Zip showed up and I'm like, this guy is fantastic. He is so ridiculous. <laughs> so in uh, Zip's introductory story, he is basically has been listening to the Aether boxes, which are kind of like the radios of uh, mm -hmm. Malifo. And he's heard all of these like adventure stories, you know, the, the kind of like uh, the Penny Dreadfuls of the time. And he's become enamored. You know, we said each of these gremlins is sort of like, grabbed onto some part of human culture well he's kind of become enamored with this idea of being a pirate he's going to be you know he's going to be a sky pirate he's going to do these like you know this kind of this very like pulp hg wells sort of penny dreadful ideal <laughs> um and then he happens upon a guild research lab where they have a dirigible that they're building the skyship and yep. he and his crew sneak in deliberately set a fire sneak in and steal it and fortunately for all of them uh this poor guy named earl just <laughs> happened to be on the ship making repairs and uh he gets kidnapped with them so oh, earl is kind of a uh he's he's a prisoner um of zip and zip has this uh this the first mate who ate his original first mate it's just a cillerid it it Maybe more intelligent than a normal Sillerid, but it's a it's a Sillerid nonetheless. And yeah. um, he keeps morale by threatening to feed Earl or anyone that disobeys him to the first mate. So <laughs> they kind of like run through Malifaux on this crazy ship with zero idea of how it works and pretty much just on like pure gremlin luck. Yeah, it's I, I would say that I actually I don't. I don't think I fully appreciated the Bayou when I first looked at him because I think I I think people coming from other games kind of mischaracterize the Bayou because I feel like when people look at Bayou they're like oh this is the uh, orcs and goblins of Malifaux and 
I will say you do get some of the funness and kind of silliness of uh, the orcs and goblins, but I would say that this faction definitely gives you a lot of the shenanigans aspect of it too. You can really come out of nowhere and really surprise your opponent with a lot of these crews. Well, let's say I'm... It was more so in second edition, but even now, um, Bayou is kind of a high risk, high reward uh, mm. sort of faction. You have a lot of uh, you know silly stuff like built in triggers that you have to declare. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. You know, models yep. that, that damage themselves, models that blow themselves up. You know, all of these things, and it was definitely like a lot more in second edition where you had some models that like. Though the the risk was much lower than the reward. Like uh, Francois could shoot for like max ten damage or something, if I remember correctly, in second edition. Like mm-hmm. he was a nuts model. He killed himself doing it, but he could blow anything off the table in just one shot. So uh, you know, it's a little more balanced now. They were able in third edition to kind of give you this idea of like these fun zany uh, creatures that are very like lucky, but it's balanced to gameplay where you know, you feel like you're you're not struggling and you're not having these games that are like up and down all over the place. So I kind of want to start off with, before we get into specific crews, I actually just want to kind of talk about the versatile models first. So those of you that are brand new, you have your keyword, but the versatile models you can take in any crew, any keyword, but you don't have to pay the tax, even though they're not in keyword. So we're not going to go through every card, but I just wanted to see, John, which versatile models were you like, okay, these are some of the good ones that you see in a lot of different crews. All right. So uh, first of all is the Lucky Emissary. It's amazing. It's... Well, the mo- the model's amazing. Yeah. The 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 card is amazing, too. I mean, it's super <laughs> fast. You, you have a hamster wheel, but it's a pig, and it's trying to eat a gremlin. Yep. On a fishing rod. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's uh I mean it's super fast. It's it's got a it's got like a seven move, eight moves. I think it's eight move. I think it might actually be it, it is eight. Model. It is eight. Yeah, it's got like an eight move. Um it doesn't care about other models, it's unimpeded. Um it has a push that's a twelve inch push. It has to go in a um it has to go twelve inches. You can't uh, you know, scale it down any. But anything it passes over has to make a move duel or take damage. Any destructible terrain it passes over just gets mulched and it's gone, <laughs> which is crazy good. Um, you know, it can just get to somebody's backfield in no time. It hits pretty hard. Like, it's decently tough to take down. It's got a defense six. It's got, you know, armor one. It's got decent wounds. It's... It's such a good model, and especially like when you're looking at current GG1 and you're looking at uh, ley lines, symbols of authority, anything yep. that requires you to be across the board, that thing's there on turn one if you need it to be. Well, how much do you like its bonus action with Aura of Luck? Do you like being able to cheat off your uh, off your deck? I mean, considering what we'll get to later, my favorite master is Salmer, I love being able to cheat off my deck. Okay, so um, you're used to that anyways. And for the most part, like... That aura is because, like, the emissary itself is a little too fast, I think, most times to really get a lot out of that aura for mm-hmm. other models. But, um, uh, one of our one of our Bayou players, Jesse, out of uh, the, the northeastern meta, um, he loves bringing the effigy and then growing it up, and that way, okay. So, so can you explain because they're both lucky, but what's the difference between the emissary and the effigy? So, the effigy is basically the little tiny puppet. 
and it gets an upgrade that on turn three, it replaces itself with the emissary. So you get like this oh, little okay. tiny support model, and then it grows into this big kind of beater fast model. So they have the same bonus action, though. So what you do is, like, if you're playing Ophelia, who's a shooty crew that likes to, like, sit back and, and take pot shots for the first couple turns before, you know, everything really gets connected, then mm -hmm. it's giving them the ability to cheat off the top of their deck. And then when something's finally in, in their face, boom, it's a 10 Soulstone beater. <laughs> that is terrifying. Just all of a sudden you're charging this gun line and then this hamster wheel of death just rolls you over up. you just got to be careful because as soon as you put that uh that upgrade on the effigy your opponent's gunning for it because oh, they yeah. know it's coming yeah so that i mean it's only four points for the effigy but the offset is you have to wait till turn three yep so looking at tournaments though i notice a lot of people only get into sometimes round four of their tournament game so do you think it's worth bringing the effigy if you're only going to get maybe one or two turns out of it, it's uh, it just depends on it's it's just and, just my you it as depends a player. on the game. It depends on the player. It depends on okay. what you're trying to do with it. Like if you just need a four soulstone piece, then then bring it just the effigy. If you really really need to get across the board by turn one or two, bring the emissary. Uh, you know that extra four points because it's six points total with the uh, upgrade and the and the effigy. So. You're saving, you're kind of discounting yourself four points. Sometimes that four points is four more soul stones to keep your master alive. You yeah. know, sometimes it's an extra model. Uh, and then sometimes that four points doesn't matter. It just, uh, yeah. you know, as you get better with building crews, you get better with figuring out like where you can afford to, to bring in that big model versus the small model. Um, you know, if you're going up against Levy, you probably don't want to bring the effigy because it's going to die. It's going to die, yeah. yep. The emissary is probably going to die too. I mean, like, unless you can keep it away from Levy, which, you know, yeah. it's it's kind of running the the corners instead of going straight into Levy. So another versatile model that I really like, John, and I've I've played her now a couple of times is Gracie. I th I think Gracie's <laughs> an amazing, amazing. First off, it's an amazing model because who doesn't love a giant pig that has you know pots and pans for its armor. But then in-game, it just does so much work. The weird depth of expression on that model is just... It's its its crazy. Like, that model... It's a blank stare. That model has more going on on its face than almost any other model <laughs> in the game. Like, once yeah. you, when you see a well-painted Gracie, it's just like looking into your soul for a second. You're like, <laughs> all right, you need to back off, Gracie. Like, come on. Um, oh, so, of man. course, I'm a huge fan of Big Trouble in Little China. So Gracie is a reference to that movie. So is Burt Jepsen, her her you know companion. So I love that and already. But then you bring an eight soulstone model that's insanely hard to kill. Has ride with me. Um, has solid triggers. Like there's nothing. I mean, as not crit as crit strike. So I mean, it's doing like three, five, six damage. Or it's eating something and healing, or you know, using yep. tear off a bite and healing itself up, like. Gracie's, it can give itself fast. I mean, it's it's good. Yeah. Gracie's amazing. Gracie's amazing. Um, I would say Emissary and Gracie are like the top two that you grab when you're looking for a versatile model. The other like like MVP model for me is uh, Gluttony. Okay, you want to explain that? Because I have no experience with Gluttony. All right, so Gluttony is, first of all, six move. So gotta love that. It's a henchman, so it can use soul stones. 
um, to save itself. It's got a decent defense, but it's got this really cool ability called Maddening Drums. And okay. um, basically it can target a scheme marker and then target another model six inches away from that scheme marker or any marker, not just a scheme marker, any marker, and then push that model into the marker, the model takes two damage and the marker is gone. So if you're trying, like if you know your opponent's playing um, Breakthrough or Sabotage, you can keep Gluttony back. And basically, as soon as they drop their marker, she just pull her, Gluttony just pulls them into them. Not only have they lost their marker, but their backfield scheme runner is now taking damage. Or... You can do the reverse, throw a marker up pretty far up the board, and have Gluttony push your model. Now, if you can get it kind of to where you're you're set up correctly, that it doesn't actually, you know, something stops it from pushing all the way, you've got a Mm -hmm. model pushed up into a good position. So it's both an offensive and defensive uh, model at the same time. Now, the last versatile model that I want to ask about, John, is I got a bunch of Bayou stuff that I traded for and I bought. And one of the models that came in, it was McTavish. And it's a really sweet looking model. I mean, does McTavish see a lot of play outside of Swamp Fiends or is he only a Swamp Fiend kind of henchman? McTavish is uh, sort of a hot button in the Bayou community. Oh, okay. Um, there are people I do that, not know this. There are people that love him. <laughs> there are people that think he's great. Um, my problem with McTavish is that he is sort of like, he's got a min three damage, which is awesome. He's got a gun Mm -hmm. that ignores cover, which is really good. Um, he's got, uh, on the move, which means he gets a three inch move at the beginning of his turn. All that is good. But the problem is like for a 10, nine, 10 soulstone model, you're really kind of looking to specialize. You want a model that's going to do something really good. So in Bayou, you've got, the first mate, which can get really far and hit pretty hard. You've yep. got Mancha, who can get three hits out. You, you've you got the Emissary, which is super fast. You've got Alphonse, who has toss, you know, to toss people up, and he can get fast really easily and hit people very, very hard. McTavish tries to do, well, he tries to be both a range model and a melee model at the same time. And I think that he loses a little bit of opportunity, um, you know, kind of there. Some people love him. Some people bring him with Zareda or they bring him with Ma and, you know, they do. But I've just never gotten value out of him when I play him. Like every time I play him, I'm like, man, I wish this was a first mate. Okay, well, I'll keep that in mind. I actually don't have Zareda yet. So maybe once I get her, I'll put him on the table and try to figure him out. Well, that's uh, uh, that's my caveat. That's one thing I will always, always say about Malifo is uh, put it on the table. If you don't have it, proxy it, put it on the table, make your own decisions because yep. individual play styles can, can vary drastically. Oh, that's huge. Oh, and, huge. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, models that do great for, for me might not do so great for everybody else. And, you know, models that do really good for somebody else, I can take, like, I'm a... I'm a terrible Zareda player. I just can't. I just cannot wrap my head around <laughs> yeah. her place play wise. Like I know what she's supposed to do. You know, I've I've I could I've read the cards a hundred times, but when it comes to actually like getting her on the table, I fail horribly every time. Okay. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into some of these keywords now, and we'll kind of just we'll we'll go through who they are, what they do, and then what are they like really good at. So. 
let's just kind of start off with let's go ahead and want to I want to talk about your baby and this is a crew that I actually have played now three times and I'm using one of the lists that well I'm starting with one of the lists that you kind of shared with me and I'm actually playing Somer so this is the big hat keyword um, so we already talked about his background a little bit but generally speaking what is Somer trying to do on the table Somer is our control. Um, board control master. That's that's actually the best way to describe. It. He's trying to swarm the board. He's trying to get some range superiority. Um, he's just looking to activate, out activate you, and uh, put you pressure on you from all angles. Um, he's a complex master. I would say him and Sandeep are probably two of the most complex masters in the game. Um, okay. I would recommend fifteen games with him before you start seeing exactly how everything clicks because he's got auras on top of auras on top of abilities on top of triggers it's just a whole yeah. you can miss 10 things in a single turn well with- i i think it was uh it wasn't until so this was my second game i was playing with him and it wasn't until turn three i think i looked and i saw pig eating grin and i was like holy crap when my stuff dies i get to shoot at mm-hmm. you good and that's- god and that's maybe the second best ability on his card. Um, what would you say is the first one then? Uh, Bayou two guard, without a doubt. Okay, cheating off top oh, of the you, deck. You love that. God, it's amazing. It's amazing because it gives you so much value. Um, like if you consider, if you basically consider um, with standard Malifaux math that a positive flip is is roughly considered plus one to a stat. And Bayou Bash already gives them that plus two to a stat. It's so good. So you're you're basically with Bayou Two card adding a third plus to your you know a third number to your stat. Um, So it can make even insignificant Bayou Gremlins into murder machines. Um, Yeah, it really does. And Uh, I was surprised. I was. I was playing it and I was adding up Bayou Bash and there was so many times with Bayou Bash, my my duels were all the way up to like 15, 19. And I'm just like, how is this little goblin getting this high? It just doesn't seem like it should work this right, way. But. Right, they're stat three. Why are they doing this? And it's, yeah. and it's because, um, it's just because of, well, several of the overlapping auras and, and you know, Bayou 2 card makes the, I mean, it just makes it like such a good ability. Um, it does require you to bubble up. Like that's that's the the big the biggest weakness maybe of Sommer is that you yeah. do have to have you know somebody who's blast heavy. Well, yeah, somebody who's blast heavy can take him down, and you know anybody that can um, be able to walk through your wall of of Bayou Gremlins and get to Sommer can, can so maybe do. flyers. Flyers, Nekima can be kind of scary if you don't know your positioning well, really well. Uh, Terra can pop up behind them and surprise them. Sonya is a is a. I've played well, a couple Sonya games and that's <laughs> God, it's hard. And then another thing I loved about Somer when, and I actually didn't realize this till the end of the game, John, was that he has make me proud boys. No, and boy. I didn't realize I could just send my gremlins up and just blow them up. Yep, and the best thing about it is is that also ties back in with Pig Eat and Grin. So oh, yeah. you send your boys in, you blow them up, whatever model oh my god, it just says kill. two damage. Oh my god. Yep. Oh man, You discard a card, you draw a card because they died, 
yep, demise then trigger. Then you discard a card, which you can discard the one you just drew if it's a shit card. And suddenly, Georgie and Olaf is shooting at them. Georgie and Olaf probably has focus because you have shouting orders. So from old cranky. So like, there's just all this inner synergy with with Sommer, and that's his big deal. Is like he's just this Rube Goldberg machine of of if you're within twelve inches of Sommer and Georgie and Olaf, you're dead. Well, I think that's kind of why I might like Somer because I've played him now three times and I'm really liking it because it's almost like when I played Guild Ball, I liked to play Cruz. Well, I say Cruz now, but they were, you know, teams yeah. of um, basically with the Brewers and the Brewers were all about synergy and auras. So I think this really fits well into that kind of thing that I already did anyways in Guild Ball. Oh, um, for sure. For sure, yeah. What, let me ask you about these totems because I'm not sure what the mosquitoes are supposed to be doing. Are they are they just running into things and just tying them up or just adding a plus one? I mean, what are they supposed to be doing? Um, well, you have a cute little summon called uh, the by the Gremlin Crier, and yeah. the Gremlin Crier can reach out with an obey um, that has a built-in suit. So you only need usually a seven, um, six or a seven. I can't remember exactly right off the top of my head. Uh, you're talking about the, the threatened beating. And then it has the trigger <laughs> built in, which says that um, they will get to insignificant models can then do interacts. So you're That's sending your good. mosquitoes up and you're flying up and you're making, uh, you're dropping interacts where people don't expect interacts to be. And if they kill the mosquitoes, you can summon them back because they're minions. So... You're not losing anything. Oh, man. I didn't even think about that. You could bring them back. Okay. Okay. I see that. Like I said, it's complex. Like there's just (laughs) layers and layers and layers of Sommer. So there's there's one more model that I wanted to talk about. You already talked about Georgie and Olaf a little bit, which that model is amazing. I I would recommend if somebody looks at that model and you see Olaf with the Olaf golden knuckles, I'm just like, that's pretty cool. But... The model that I've been impressed with, John, is this good old boy. Yeah. Them good old boys, they're pretty fucking good. Super tough. Super tough. And Ricochet is a ridiculous trigger. Yeah, I like Ricochet. I've gotten some use out of that. Uh, We'll talk about it when we get to Brewmaster, but the drunken strength with Broken Bottle, or you can hit the Onslaught trigger to get another attack. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. The one thing about Ricochet that's very important to remember is that Ricochet benefits from whatever your uh, damage flip is on the main attack. So if you're on a straight from the main attack, then the ricochet trigger is also on a straight. If you're on a positive from the main attack, the ricochet trigger is also on a positive. So the ricochet benefits from your focus as well. So that's really good. Yeah, it's important because like, and and the best thing is you're just bending bullets. Like, oh, they got their support guy behind a building nope i mean georgie and olaf have that too (laughs) yes that's that's, yeah Yeah, there's bullets slinging all over the place man yeah if you if if you're playing against summer like you have to look at you even if georgie and olaf have gone like suddenly you have to think well what can happen that this bayou gremlin might die i don't want to get engaged with this bayou gremlin because if Sommer has a gone, Georgie's going to shoot something off the board. Um, like I've stacked through, I've used Sommer's turn to shoot in, 
do four damage on a severe, summoned in three Bayou Gremlins on top of the, the henchman that I just shot, yep. then make me proud with this last activation, killed all three of them, drawn three cards, discard three cards, and took three shots to kill that henchman. <laughs> it's dumb. Wow. It's just so dumb. Yeah, that's really good. Ugh. I'm a big fan of uh, of Somer. I I just there's so many possibilities, and I love masters and crews that really let you get creative with the gameplay. Because just just the fact of what you said right there, that's something I haven't thought of yet. And then I'm sure there's about a thousand or a million different scenarios where you can just manipulate the board just so creatively with Somer. It's just really fun. Well, keep in mind, I'm probably like thirty, maybe forty games in with Somer. And yeah. that's where I'm at. Like, he is such a complex master. He's not one, like, if you're just brand new in the game, Sommer's going to be it. a hard one to wrap your head around. <laughs> like, he is so tough. Go Maw for, for a minute. Like, Ophelia, try something a little little less and then come back. Because uh, while Sommer has all these options, he's not, like, you have to know what you need to summon in. Do you yep. need a spit hog to heal yourself up? Do you need the crier to go out and, you know, start obeying things? Uh, does yeah, a good interact. old boy getting in their face, is that the important thing that you need? Like there's, he's not a, he's not an easy, easy master to start out with. And there's so much okay. to remember too. Like you need a flow chart. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if you almost need to have tokens down for the auras, just so your opponent knows what's going on. It's <laughs> yeah. I, I was playing, I was playing a buddy of mine and he's like, man, I, what aura is this now? I'm like, well, it's this aura. And then you did this and it triggered that aura. And then, and then he had Paul Crockett did something that triggered his aura. And there was, we went down like this huge flow chart. It was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's where Vassal has been kind of nice too, because you can see like exactly oh, yeah. where your auras are. You Vassal, can leave it up. Which, you know, yeah, it's harder to figure out. Like you have to, I think one of the important things, um, and it's actually an important Malifaux thing in general is to kind of be able to state your intention um mm -hmm. like this model when you move it if there's any question about is it within eight inches of summer you need to say this model is within eight inches of summer or if you're moving your opponent your opponent's moving their model in they need to say this intention is to be right outside eight yeah. inches of summer yeah and i i do that a lot too and i think that's something a good thing i got from guild ball is a lot of times i'll just be like okay, I'm going to get and I'm going to be outside of your one inch engagement or I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to be base to base with this marker. So it's definitely, I'd say if you want to work on your clean play when you play a game like Malifaux, stating your intention will help go a long way because then if there's a bump or if there's something that happens, we can go back and be like, okay, yeah, you were base to base with this. I was over here. Uh, and that's the Cody Hyatt special. He is the king of clean play. Like he is probably yeah. one of the most like clean play players I've ever met. It, it's, he's, <laughs> it's, I mean, it really helps you up your game too, because like when he it starts does. doing it, you're like, okay, I need to start doing this because I'm seeing where it's benefiting him. Did you ever play games? You played a little guild ball. Did you ever play with uh Glenwood? I don't think he's so. out of Raleigh. Uh, so maybe he's, he's a very technical player and and it, it overwhelms some people because, I mean, he's just a guy who just expects clean play. And when you don't, he, he'll call you out on it. So right. 
Uh, I mean, it just it helps the game go smoother when people are playing the way it's intended, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So let's kind of go from probably arguably the one of the more complicated masters in uh, in Bayou, and let's go to Maw Tucket because Maw is really good, but definitely a lot easier to kind of comprehend. So I mean, Maw is kind of this angry goblin woman. So what what is she trying to do there, John? Uh, Maw wants to beat people with her spoon and order all of her kin around. Oh, that's, she's yelling at people. Yeah, that's what she's doing. Horrible, horrible, horrible hollering. She, uh, and she's, she's less complex to play than Sommer, but she by no means has less trick. I mean, the, the keyword is oh, Trixie. Yeah, um, that's the keyword. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I think that's really important about Ma is that you have to, she has lots of different modes she can play. And she's, you really kind of need to figure that out at crew build because her keyword has some, some crazy good stuff. And there's like, you know, it's kind of these extremes where you've got super squishy glass cannons, like the rooster riders, or you've got these like very survivable cheat minions, like test subjects and survivors. Yep. Um, So you kind of like, you have to, you have to come across like, how am I, which way do I want to play Ma this game? So, um. You know, there's all these little silly little tricks like test subjects are the models aren't out. So you haven't seen much of them played, but they're crazy good models. They, yeah, they look good. They can't be blown up. You you can't execute them. You like you have to kill them with damage. Um, they can bounce around in her uh, traps. And every time they get injured, they build their stats up. So like <laughs> you can have some some pretty like, you know, eight or nine defense five stone hard to kill minions running around like they're just they're ridiculous they're not going to do a whole lot of damage but you're going to spend too much ap trying to get rid of these things i will say that a lot of the stuff with maw and her crew i love is on the front of their cards like careful planning is one of the things i love most about maw tuck the fact that even with just cheating in the game it for the initiative, you get a benefit depending on which suit that you want to cheat in. So I really love that because even if you lose, there's something cool you can do. And that could be gaining pass tokens, which I haven't done that one as much, but I've drawn two cards. I've uh, moved two uh, friendly models within three or three inches. And then the shielded one I've used a little bit, but I mostly either use the move one or the draw two cards one. That, those are the probably... Oh yeah, it's huge, especially you get a crap hand. Pass tokens can be really good too though. Um it's it's all about and that's that's what comes down to Ma with her her uh flexibility. You know, she has pushes, she can push people in and out, she has um the pit traps, she can you know, create these pit traps and knock people into them. Um, you know, so like you think you're good, you look at Ma and she's like, Okay, she's a stat, you know, she's swinging with a three. Well then she has crit strike. If you have a stone and a high ram suddenly she's min five and then she's knocking you know she's putting a uh you around a pit trap so the first the first swing she might hit you with a shove aside which pushes you in the pit trap makes you injured you take a damage and then the next thing you know she is just wailing on you and uh the damage can just come out of nowhere it's very explosive uh you know we kind of talked about that high risk high reward like most of her stuff is pretty, pretty glass cannony. Like bushwhackers go down pretty quickly if you get into them. 
Rooster Riders go down pretty quickly if you get into them. Sparks. But they're very punchy. And then the other yeah. half of her crew, the poor, or, well, Pork Chop isn't technically part of her crew, but it might as well be. Um, but, uh, you know, the survivors, the, the test subjects, Big Brain Bryn, Trixie Bell, they're all fairly difficult to take down mm-hmm. just right off the top. And they, but they sacrifice their damage potential for uh, board control. Yeah, she's just, she's strong. I mean, the early turns when you're doing horrible hollering and you're giving out focus to everybody within three, that's really good. Uh, I, I mean, big brain Bryn, a lot of people argue that he's an auto include in any keyword just because of how good he is. So I don't know if you're in that camp, but um, I know a lot of people are. He's not, doesn't go in everyone, but uh, yeah, spoiler alert, he's in Salmer every single time because <laughs> calculate the possibilities plus buy you two card is insane levels of deck stacking. Like, Seems pretty good. Yeah. I, in a, in a, and backtrack just a second. I, I have seen the Red Joker three times in a single turn playing Sommer because of Brynn and Bayou Tukard. That's pretty good. Yep. That's gross. That's gross. Like, you think the Red Joker one times turns rat is really bad. Seeing it twice a turn is kind of demoralizing. Seeing it three times in a turn swings the game to your advantage in a huge, huge way. Um, yeah, when you when you look at cal- calculate the possibilities, though, I believe because I think they changed that up when they did the errata in March because you only do it once per it's turn. Once per turn, yeah. But, but now it says three non Joker cards in the model's discard no, pile. Well, yeah, but with Bayou two card, you're you're going through your deck faster, and then Solver oh, yeah, draws yeah, cards because sure. every time a Bayou Gremlin dies, you draw a card. And then he's discarding. Oh, a card. so you're, you're just saying you went through your deck so much that you yeah. <laughs> you had it come up three times. Yep. Yep. Okay. It's dumb. That's real dumb. But then, like with Ma too, you've got Sparks. Uh, Sparks is um, it, he's a he's kind of a hotly debated. People either really love him or uh, they really don't. Like he's very mm-hmm. easy to kill, but he puts bombs in people's bellies. So if you hit them. Then uh, they do blasts, so they blast back onto you. And then if they die, they explode. So he can take models like uh, they. She can bring the uh, vaunted uh, Arcanist um, miners, Soulstone miners, with her. Yeah. So he can put that on one of the Soulstone miners, and then have it show up in your crew. And now suddenly you've got this armor one thing in your crew that if you hit it it's going to blow up on your people and that's not what you want. Like you don't want it to be there. Um, so, so Sparks has his moments too. Like he can do, you know, some pretty silly things. Um, okay. If you're not expecting him, the problem is he doesn't have any, he doesn't have any defenses. He's just, just hanging out there in the breeze. If you, uh, if you get close to him and he's done, like he's only got seven wounds, um, average defenses, Nothing, nothing big. Like you could put disguised on him, I guess, if you really want to. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to ask you, which I don't, I don't know if I do that with Sparks either, but uh, what is the little last usually doing? I mean, I played a few games and the little last kind of starts off doing some hollering herself. And then I don't know, she kind of falls behind the crew sometimes. Well, she's baby ma. So what she's doing is um, you, you get into somebody, you don't quite kill them. The next thing you know, little lass comes in and surprise smacks them for a lot of damage because she's huh. going to be near Ma, so she's probably going to have focus on her. Um, 
for a tiny totem, she's got a pretty decent damage track. Yeah, it's a two, three, four. Yeah, so she's going to surprise, like, smash somebody in the face, or she's going to horrible holler in them out of position, and uh, suddenly they're not scoring their point. Yeah, that's actually the thing I started doing this last game I played, John, is I actually started using that offensively and getting people. I actually won the game because of it, because we were playing uh, Recover the Evidence. And I basically used horrible hollering to basically holler somebody away from the last marker. And then they were on the other side of the trees and and they couldn't even get to it. So it's just it's cool how you can use that in kind of two different modes and never underestimate pushing people into traps. Injured one is big. Injured two is devastating. Injured three, that model's dead. Yeah, that's for sure. We've got Ma Tucket, which like we said, she's a great master. Definitely recommend playing her. She's a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, Rooster riders are really nuts, uh, but you're right. They are definitely glass cannons, but I tell you what, they can spike five damage pretty quick sometimes. And I think she's probably one of, the easiest uh, to build a full like crew. If you just get a box of rooster riders and you get Ma Tucket, her main box, you've got three bushwhackers. One of the few, one of the few minions that I'm okay bringing three of just right out. Like, yeah. So you got three bushwhackers, you got two rooster riders, two or three rooster riders, Ma, Trixie, you got a whole crew. Like right there's your 50 soul stones to start playing the game with like if you're looking to get into the game she's a great buy yeah i was gonna say i that's actually and when we're talking about these keywords i would definitely start with which one of these sounds the coolest buy their core box and then just look at maybe some of the ones we're talking about pick up one of those boxes add it to the crew and then just play around with what you like because that's the thing there's so many cool models in most keywords that you really can kind of pick what you like and kind of throw it in there. There are very few models that I just like look at and go, yeah, I'm never ever going to take this. Like I don't, I think Bayou has maybe two, two. No, I think I've, I think I have officially played every single Bayou model in at least <laughs> one game now since nice. they bumped smugglers up and made them amazing. Um, yeah. I think I've played just about every, every okay. So let's, so let me ask you, what what did they do to smugglers that actually had you want to put them on the table? Um, they gave them the appraisability, which is really good. Um, it's what the prospectors have in a, an outcast. Basically outcast, allows them to yeah. eat a scheme marker, or eat a marker, and um, get a, an effect based on the flip. There's no good op- or no bad options, so it's pretty good. They can um, eat enemy scheme markers. Um, they can drag behind so they can walk and pull markers up with them. So you can drop a marker with something small on turn one and the smuggler is dragging it up the table to get it where you need to be on turn two or three. Yeah. And that's a uh, infamous keyword. So that's in zip screw. And they're also versatile. Oh, they are, aren't they? Oh, that's cool. All right. Well, let's go with one and maybe you can sell me on this a little bit because I haven't played this keyword yet and I actually don't have the models yet. So this is one that I'm kind of interested to see what you uh what you say about john but tell me a little bit about this whiz bang uh crew i knew so that was this coming. is Wong. <laughs> this, this is wong right yeah this is wong so okay um, tell me a little bit about it another hotly debated technically considered our, our worst master um i would definitely say he's uh one of the more difficult masters to wrap your head around because he okay. he plays um and very 
as uh, Jesse Watson would say, a very oblique kind of style. Um, Wong is basically, he has this bag that he stole from some Ten Thunders person. He's another reference, by the way. He's another reference to uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Um, yep. So he has his eight demon bag, which gives him magic that he barely has any control over. Um, <laughs> so all of his keyword have this really great ability that allows them, um, anytime they take damage from a friendly model, they can get fast in a glowy token. And they can all spend a glowy token to get a suit of their choice when they declare an action. Okay, so let me ask you this, John, because most of his keyword has evasive. Mm -hmm. So it says it reduces the effects of blast to zero. So do they take the damage and then it gets reduced? He has, do they... he has evasive. They have blast resistant. So they will always Do take they one. get a glowy token off that though yeah. or no? Yeah, they will oh, always. Oh, they do? Yeah, because they reduce blast down to one. So they will always oh. take one damage. They will always get a glowy token. So Wong basically spends his first turn shooting his own people um, to get them all fast. And then he has Bokors that have a pulse heal that will heal everybody back up. So okay. you've got this crew of super fast uh, guys running around with a lot of irreducible damages, like three sources of irreducible damage in, in that crew, which is pretty good. Um, they balance it out by being very, very squishy. Um, Alphonse is kind of hard to take down. Swine Cursed can be hard to take down. But for the most part, like they, they play on this sort of a, like, counter where the longer in the game that they go, the the less you're getting out of them. So turn okay. one, turn two, they're coming in hot. Pretty big turns. Right. And then if you don't accomplish what you need to accomplish, turn three, turn four, turn five, they start to lose because, you know, the, the less life they have, the harder it is to get that glowy off to get them built up on these glowy tokens. Now, I do have a taxidermist model. Now, is that worth anything? Because I do have that one. Taxis are fun. I like taxis. Okay. Um, they're one high, they're height one. So a cute thing you can do with them is put them in a pigapult and throw them across the board. Wong is also <laughs> height one. So if you don't like where Wong is and you think he's in trouble, you shoot can him on put over. him in the pigapult, shoot him across the board. And um, he does some some... He's one of our few masters that really does a lot of uh, scheme marker tricks. Um, he has okay. an ability called a New Horizon, which is awesome. Um, basically, he targets. A, sorry, he doesn't have a New Horizon. It's called um, Launch into Space. He targets a marker, then and it's any kind of marker. Then he takes it off the board, and at the start of the next turn, he drops it, and he has a trigger to drop a second marker anywhere within his line of sight. <laughs> So that's pretty good. Yeah, he can basically make markers appear across the board, uh, which is big for Bayou because we don't have a lot of marker. Um, we've got a lot of marker removal. We don't have a lot of marker, extra marker creation. Like there's no false claim. There's no, you know, yeah. silly stuff like that in a um, yeah, in no Bayou. drop it. Yeah. yeah. So okay. I like I like Wong for that. I think uh, I think. Wong needs a champion, someone to to jump up and uh, really play him, unlock his potential, and just kind of show people like this is how Wong can be played and uh, played well. 
And he's a lot of fun. Like, regardless, he's a lot of fun. But whereas, like, <laughs> Sommer is that Rube Goldberg machine that does a lot of dead yeah. work, Wong can be a Rube Goldberg machine that ultimately doesn't do a whole lot. Like, you know, you're doing all this stuff, and then it doesn't really pan out. A term that I've been playing a, a lot of EDH the last few years, and I think a lot of people in Magic community would call that dirtling, where you're just kind of doing some cool Absolutely. things, but you really... Really don't get much out of it. Absolutely. Um, Wong also has shockwaves. He has multiple shockwaves. And uh, mm -hmm. shockwaves are, are they're hot and cold too. So either your opponent fails them and they do a lot of damage, or your opponent has the cards off the top of their deck and they don't fail them, and or they, they pass them, and you didn't do anything. So unlike masters mm -hmm. that have like a 3, 5, 6 damage track, they can come in and just smash something in the face. Wong doesn't always, you know, live up to the potential. Now, can you tell me anything in this last model we'll talk about and then we'll move on to our next keyword, but tell me a little bit about Sammy Lacroix because he's kin and he's also whizbang and he's kind of like this voodoo looking mm -hmm. kind of big hat wearing guy. So what's up with that model? Um last edition Sammy was the apprentice of uh Zareda. Okay. So she was kind of learning, you know, once again, imitation, you know, it's a big thing for the Bayou. She was mm -hmm. learning how to be a voodoo priestess or whatever, whatever it is, swamp hag, whatever it is, this is. Um, yeah. And she had last edition, she had an upgrade that allowed her to, or she could use any master's personal upgrades because they had personal upgrades back then. So she basically became like a mini master. So that's why her, uh, model looks like that like she kind of has this like voodoo style is because yeah. she was sort of an apprentice like studying up to be a master i'm actually okay. a little bit sad with all the shuffling and rearranging they didn't kind of like because in the in the in the fluff the gremlins kind of booted straight out a little bit yeah. and i was really hoping in third edition that they would slide sammy in as a master but she's still she's still second fiddle <laughs> well by use the isn't Bayou one of the only factions that didn't get a new master in the new edition? Correct, but um, considering only like 15 total models were played in second edition, we basically got a full new faction anyway. Yeah, <laughs> well, and that that's the one cool thing coming into third edition that I, I love the keyword system. So to me, I definitely am enjoying that. And I think I like it better than what people have told me second edition was like, so... Uh, I'm pleasantly surprised with the system that we currently have. I agree. Second edition was definitely a good game. Um, by the end of second edition, we were kind of looking at a lot of um, playing all-star lists where you just took the best yeah. in your faction. And Gremlins was probably one of... Because Gremlins did that from the very, very beginning. You were taking yeah. the same models no matter what. You were taking Francois because he could blow things up. You know, you were taking Rami because he, he had a sniper rifle. Like, you were just taking all the same models over and over and over again. And it wasn't really that fun. Okay, well, let's go ahead and move on to our next keyword. So we'll go ahead and stick with uh, Sammy's kin. So we have Ophelia with the young Lacroix. Uh, I mean, what is this crew? This crew just looks like they want to shoot the crap out of you. It, it is. I mean, they're they're basically directly kind of like parodying um, the family over in Guild. Um, and they have even all the same, you know, they they probably have the most named models, most enforcers of any keyword um, yeah. in the faction. 
So, and you can play pretty heavy. Like, you've got Maris, you've got Francois, you've got Rami, you've got Raphael, you've got, you know, all of these, uh, and Sammy. So, and you can play very enforcer heavy. And they are, they are on the table one thing that the, the rest of Bayou doesn't really do very well. They are super tanky. Um, oh, are they? So they get, um, if the model is bigger than they are, mm-hmm. which most things in the, most things are size one. Are bigger than size one. Yeah. So, so most, yeah, most of the gremlins are size one. So if that happens, they, they instantly get shielded. So they're soaking up points. And if the stat is higher, they get a plus one to the duel, not to their stat. Oh, wow. To the duel, which is really That's important. Good. Yeah. So they are, they're surprisingly tanky. They do a crap ton of damage. Um, they're pretty versatile because Ophelia can pull out all these different upgrades for different kinds of attacks that throw out injured and, and ignore line of sight and do blasts. And, you know, they, um, so she has like all these different things that she does with a really resilient crew. And basically she's going to get in there and be your, um, your public enemies recover Intel sort of um, I'm going to hang out and shoot you and you're not going to do much to, you know, to stop me. Yeah. that I kind of, cause I will say that I play a lot of Maris in my infamous crew. I haven't gotten Ophelia yet on the table cause I just got her, but I can say I played Maris a lot and I don't think I've played a game yet where Maris has died. Well, um, I'll tell, I'll tell uh, everybody right now thinking about getting into Bayou by Maris. Yeah, Maris is good. <laughs> Buy Maris, bring her out a keyword if you got to. She's one of the best scheme runners uh, in the faction. She's matter of so fact, good. she's so good. I have two of her. <laughs> <laughs> I love Maris. Um, Maris is great and infamous. Maris is great and kin. I bring her out of faction or out of keyword all the time. She's she's just good. Well, just the fact that she can, she has two inch engagement because she has up and away. But that up and away, I really love using that, and we'll talk about it again with Zip. But just the fact that you can move people off of objectives, you can put them in bad situations, it's just, it's really good. You can get around defensive triggers yep. because it's a move duel. Uh, she's got concealment. Um, people don't really want to, like, you can put her in a position where people don't want to go after her because she blows up when she dies. Um, yeah. She's got that amazing tome trigger on her bonus action so that she can fling out scheme markers. So it's very easy for her to scheme marker, walk, bonus action, throw a scheme marker out. And uh, she's moved, she's done spread them out. She's done spread out, spread them out what? Like in a single activation almost, so. Yeah, I was gonna say, she can do sabotage in a single activation. There's a lot of two scheme uh, schemes out there that she could just do by herself. That second point of breakthrough, she basically got it down in one turn. Like, it's yep. so good. Let me just ask you, out of the upgrades that Ophelia can kind of put out, what's your favorite upgrade that she uh, she puts on herself or others? I mean, trash cannon. It's just amazing to, to say, like, <laughs> I got a trash cannon. It's fantastic. I'm going to attach a trash cannon um, to her. And it's good. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a one, two, four with a blast on the end. It drops a scrap marker in the contact. It can do critical strike. And it's got swift action, so you can take it again. So, like... Um, Ophelia, Ophelia has this thing where she can ditch an upgrade to deal an extra point of damage to Plink. And she has a, a trigger on her main attack, her main gun, 
to take an attack off of her upgrade. So mm-hmm. it's very, very possible that Ophelia can like just chain into all these attacks. Like, um, for instance, Jackdaw is a very hard master typically to deal with because yeah. he can discard a card and reduce damage down to one. So you, when when he has six wounds and you're only doing one damage, like when most people only do three attacks, that's hard to get to him. But Ophelia yeah. here is like, I attack him, I get the trigger, I attack him again, I discard this upgrade, I ping him for a damage, I'll attack him, I'll get the trigger, I'll just do this attack, I'll ping him again, like, the next thing yeah, you know, so it's like he's dead. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, he. even if you do discard, you're still taking one, and hey, you have five damage on you now. Or like Hoffman, because, you know, Bayou's not super great into armor. armor. Yeah. She doesn't care because she's doing, you know, the, the the thing to beat armor sometimes is volume of attacks instead of quality of attacks. Yeah, and she seems really flexible because her upgrades let her kind of adjust into different matchups. I mean, I'm looking at Hooch Igniter, which I just love the name. Yeah. But, well, I mean, it, it puts out a blast. Yeah, it puts out a blast. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, and there's one that does, uh, there's a glass bottle, glass finger flinger that does uh, injured in a blast on injured, like doing injured to multiple models in one AP is is super good. And you can do that with the young. And if they're cheating to stop the young from getting to them, that's less times they're cheating when your good models are coming in to do damage. So it's just like kind of with Sommer where you've got that activation control, like a, a Bayou Gremlin on its own is not going to kill you. Four Bayou Gremlins shooting into you when you don't have any cards left, suddenly it's looking, you know, not as good. So um, you you have all these cheap models in Bayou that allow you... Um, I played a Ma list that played uh, Ma and her totem, a Bokor, three Bushwhackers, three Survivors. And it's absurd. Like, 14-inch guns. I have six 14-inch guns off of six and five-stone models. I I just have to laugh though. This so this is why I love Malifo, but also why I love Bayou because the young Lacroix, they're what they have a tactical they have a tactical action. It's called I need an adult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and ignoring the weird female sculpt that is way out of proportion and strange, um, the two other young Lacroix are probably two of the best sculpts in the game. The oh, one are you talking mooning, about the one that's yeah. getting talking about the one that's getting blasted back is kind of weird. She's really big. Yeah, she's huge. She's way out of scale. But, like, the two on each other's shoulders and the one mooning, like, it's just... Yeah. Such great, uh, such great, you know, just character for for Bayou in general. God damn it, John. You you know, I wouldn't have noticed that for a long time, but now that's bugging me. Oh, how big? Yeah. It's it's been an issue. It it is so bad. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We haven't seen her box yet. Maybe we'll get a new sculpt. Maybe she's a giant gremlin. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Could be. I mean, Lenny's there. Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, let's go on to our next keyword. Let's go with one that has recently been talked about on the third uh, floor wars. They actually just talked about the Sui keyword with Ulix not too long ago. So um, I won't go too much into it because, I mean, Craig does some awesome deep dives on it. But what do you love about the Sui crew? Um, it is absolutely one of the, and in a keyword, in a, in a faction with zip, it is still one of the fastest crews in the game. 
Like, yeah. you will be shocked at how fast a wall of bacon is in your deployment zone. Like, <laughs> turn one, there are two war pigs in your deployment zone, and you're going, how did I lose this game? Right here. How and did we get here? Right. And it's because <laughs> here's these uh, here's these pigs. Now, he is not a great master if your ability to, um, if your hand control is not good. He eats cards like you would not believe. He needs high okay. TNs. He is, um, you really like, he, he actually, I would say he, aside from the fact that there's a bunch of models that you need to play him, he's not a bad one to learn on because it will yeah. teach you hand control. Different mechanics too. Yeah. And it will teach you like, I need this card for this TN. Mm -hmm. I can't just waste this card on an attack. Like I have to figure out what I'm going to use each card in my hand for. Um, and also another great thing about Ulix is if uh, you have a warped sense of humor, the nightmare sculpts are just, they're so great. They're ponies. Oh yeah, that I saw that one. Yeah, they're ponies. Um, I will say this, John, and you can correct me if I'm wrong with Ulix, that I feel like he's a crew that if you're not disciplined with your positioning, it's going to fall apart because yep. looking at like old Major's aura and Penelope's aura and where you want your pigs to be synergized. And if you get them out of position and out of their bubbles that they just get murdered. Um, you played Guild Ball, so you probably already do this. But um, if you're playing Sommer, if you're playing Ulix, honestly, if you're playing anybody, um, Wong as well practice unpacking your first turn. It's incredibly important because oh, yeah. like Sommer has so many models. Sommer and Ulix both have so many models and, and a couple big models that like, if you don't know when you want to activate them and how you want to move them, you can get in your own way. And uh, the next thing you know, like you've blocked yourself off. So like Wong, especially Wong wants to shoot everybody and, but he doesn't want to be left behind. So Wong yeah. has to be able to move up, turn around, shoot everybody twice, or you bring Gracie with him and, you know, you, you pull him up um, with Ride With Me. But unbacking your models on that first turn, I mean, it might just be a good Malifaux skill in general to have. Like, just having a solid idea of this is the order I want to move these models. This is where I want to place these yep. models because nothing sucks more than realizing you lost your game in deployment because you deployed yep. wrong. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I think, especially like you said, playing Guild Ball, but definitely playing Malifaux too, is when you realize that you can't do something because you outpositioned yourself. Yep. I mean, that's that's a bad that's a feel bad for yourself because I can only imagine having old major or having Gracie in a in a Ulux crew and then realizing that, oh, my war pig's in the way and I have, you know, only a one inch reach because that's the cool thing that if you're in the bubble, you get an extra inch reach if you're within uh, Ulix's, I think it's six inch aura. Yep. Um, but yeah, that just feels bad when you're like, I boxed myself out and now I right. can't do anything. Or I blocked my line of sight because pigs all have oh, big Oh, that's butts. the worst. Yeah. So, so can, I, can I bitch for a second, John? Okay. Because... <laughs> So coming from Guild Ball where auras were just auras, I got so mad 
when I played like my first couple games and I was like, okay, and I get this aura. And then my buddy Scott's like, yeah, you don't have line of sight. I'm like, why the fuck do I need line of sight? That doesn't matter. He's like, yeah, you kind of got to have line of sight. I was like, are you kidding me? Oh God, it's the worst. Well, and that's what made Zareda so strong before they fixed her is that um, originally her eyes in the night allowed her to target so she could use Swamp Fiend models within mm-hmm. 12 inches and then do a 12-inch obey off of that Swamp Fiend model, but it wasn't an aura. So you can bring good. Gracie, hide her behind Gracie, and then she never has to be exposed. Now it's an aura, <laughs> so now she has to see that model, so it's a little bit yeah. more fair. you know. Like, like Okay, I can understand that yeah. then. Yeah. Because that would be so frustrating. It's like, yeah, she's kind of shielded. Or no, you get cover from Gracie or it's just, just shielded? Gracie's a size three. With okay, a 50 millimeter base. Yeah, 50 millimeter base. You're just going to plop Gracie in front of her and nobody's ever going to get to Gracie. Like, you're not going to get to her through <laughs> Gracie. Oh, man, that's crazy. And if you get close, she's going to obey Gracie into your face and then you lose. All right, John, gun to your head. Which one's your favorite pig? The favorite pig? Squealer. Okay, so I haven't played this model, so what's up with the squealer? It has a uh eight inch range willpower attack. Not don't see that very often in the bayou. So that's, that's awesome. Kind of nice. It's got a blast on it for a five soulstone model. Like it also has a heel. It's a, admittedly it's got a high TN on the heel, but you can make a pig gun line with <laughs> a hog whisperer poking them and hurting them. And uh, just like three squealers just blasting out onto people with willpower attacks. And it's fantastic. Is, is the squealer out yet or no? Uh, I've seen the box um, listed, but I don't think it's actually out. Okay. Uh, that's one of the problems if you want to look into Bayou and you want to play Ulix. Like a couple of his models are still kind of hard to get. So. Yeah, you looks a lot of fun. Uh, I can't wait to put. I played against him. I haven't put him on the table uh, specifically yet, but I think he's another one where if you just, especially, I mean, if you're an Arkansas fan, I mean, you got to love the Sui uh, key name, right? Right. And he's one that like the one of the great things about Malifaux in general, and especially the Bayou, is the models play like they look big, giant, beefy pigs being grown up and rushed into your face or a bunch of hillbilly gremlins drinking and shooting you like they play like they look. And that's fantastic. Like you read a story about brewmaster or Somer and then you put Somer on the table and you're like, Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, Dude. I can't, I just got done with a game with Ma and I was playing against Marcus and I ended up winning the game, but I just the little lass and Maw just yelling at people, and I started yelling at Marcus, and Marcus ran away. I can just imagine Maw just with her wooden spoon hitting Marcus and just be like, get the fuck out of here. Right. What's <laughs> wrong with you? Or the little lass just kneecapping people. like. <laughs> All right, well, you mentioned the Brewmaster. I have a few games of Brewmaster, and he, dude, I can I tell you what, Brewmaster surprised me with how heavy that dude punches you in the face. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, anybody that uh, has heard the uh, the deep dive I did with Brewmaster, me and oh, yeah, it was uh, great, Roman, great deep dive. Uh, knows how much I love Brewy. Um, he is, I mean, that's, he drinks, he gives you poison, 
and uh, he surprises you by doing 24 damage in a turn. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he and he is so survivable. Like he, it is hard to take him down. Um, I always, always, always put 12 cups on him, um, and it just turns yeah, just him to in, make it harder. Yeah, and it just turns into this like bubble that you've got to slog through of. You know, extra poison damage, and you're slowed, and you can't use bonus actions, and the whole crew's just healing around you, and then fingers obeys you, and you're just like, like, uh, for instance, if you're playing against uh, Hoffman, most, well, a lot of uh, Malifaux, the pushes are on that bonus action. Like, a lot of your defensive get-out-of-dodge abilities are on the bonus action. So if yeah. you're within four act- inches of Brewmaster, whether you're poisoned or slowed or not, you don't get that bonus action. And that's yep. big. like Because then you can't get out of the bubble. And um, Yeah, and I would say the one of the tougher things with Brewmaster, because it, di- it wasn't so hard for me to figure out the whole poisoning your own models thing, because I don't think that's the harder part of it. I think the harder part of it is trying to get the poison up high enough on your opponent's where you start to see that slow trigger start to happen? Um, it depends on how you're playing him. Um, yeah. So you can... I like... I always bring Trixie Bell with Brewmaster. So Trixie's okay. doing the lures. So she's luring you into... Uh, you know, she's trying to get you into Brewmaster. Um, so you have a double lure there too. Yeah. So Trixie's, Trixie's trying to push you into Brewmaster. Um... You've got a lot of, um, like, you always want to save a, uh, a crow in your hand, like a, a medium crow in your hand, for Brewmaster's uh, bonus action, because it spews okay. out poison. You know, there's little tricks like that. The, uh, the uh, golem, the whiskey golem, spews out poison in an area. Um, yeah. So you're always just kind of looking for those opportunity, the, the gammon. When they when they do their little push, when they hit, as soon as they stop their push, they spew poison out. So you're yeah, looking for those I little area of effect. You're looking for those little area of effect bubbles of poison where you're stacking them up. Plus, um, like Wesley has, um, what's it? Uh, I need a drink. Is that what it's called? Or have a drink? Yeah, I have a drink. Yeah. So Wesley has it. Uh, the Tanuki has like all of these models have you know that that two poisons big. If you've already spewed onto them with Brewmaster to get one, um, and I don't think you're looking to ever lock down like their whole crew, like it's it's an impossible dream to just get everybody within eight inches of Brewmaster. But yeah, I think you're just you picking it apart. Two, yeah, if you get two solid models stuck in his, they're done. Like they're they're not going anywhere. And uh, pound yeah, for so- pound, he's going to take any master that gets pulled into him. <laughs> like. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that. So, is, does Brewmaster like to hang out like his whole crew together, or are there certain models that can go out and scheme by themselves? I don't know how you play them. Um, popcorn can like popcorn is on the move. Um, he's a solid, just on his own guy, kind of chills out. Um, I bring uh, the emissary sometimes with uh, Brewmaster to go have an extra vector to run around. Um, if you got Cooper making gammon. Gammon move pretty far. The uh, Shinobi. Shinobi can get on their own pretty good. They got a push um, okay. uh, on their bonus action. So you got you got ways. Like you kind of want to have like the core bubble 
and then you're you're kind of like spread out. Like he's not gonna go score you breakthrough. You know what I mean? Like he's not gonna do breakthrough. He's not gonna sabotage. I, I was gonna say I think that if you look at a pool and your deployment is wedge and you notice like claim jump and you know you kind of want to be hanging around like maybe you got corrupted ley lines i think that might be a good one for brewmaster oh well, uh, yeah anything wedge with with claim jump is probably pretty solid i think um he's really good in cut and recover intel because he's going to choose where your models drop their markers and mm -hmm. if he gets to one wound and he heals back up which he's going to do like he or you know any of his models do they're going to drop their markers right there in range of brewmaster so you're not picking them up because you're yeah. slow and you can't do bonus actions, so uh, <laughs> those markers are just going to stack up and 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 not go anywhere. Um, yeah, that's actually a really good too. point. Like I've seen people do silly stuff, like um, put a an Akaname, put a Intel marker on an Akaname. I'll turn around, smack it down to one health, make it drop its marker, and then it heals up because it's got poison too because it got smacked. So then it and heals you're up like, at the end of the turn. And you just got a marker in your backfield, like that they have to go that much further to get, and that's one <laughs> less point that they could potentially score off of it. Because that's pretty funny. Yeah. So it's cute little tricks like that, you know. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into probably, if not my favorite master, definitely top two or three is uh, Zip. Zip is the one that actually converted me from Outcast to Bayou. Because I realized that I was just like, man, I just kind of want to play Zip all the time in Outcast. I'm like, why am I bringing all these other, you know, humans? I'm like, let me just play Zip. Zip is the master I bring when I want to deny people. Like he is, um, when I look at the scheme pool and I say, what can't they do this game? That's where Zip comes in. Like, oh, you want to yeah. play schemes? Zip's going to eat your markers. Not going to happen. Oh, you want to be in a position? Zip's going to pick you up and move you out of position. Like, yep. oh, you want to assassinate, but you don't have any willpower or move duels? Not going to happen. Like, there's, you want to do claim jump? Not going to happen. Like, Zip just looks at that scheme pool, and if you're, <clears throat> if you're playing against a player with high meta knowledge, they're going to look at that pool and go, shit, I can't do these three things against Zip. So now yeah. you know, oh, well, they've taken this and this, you know, they've taken Hidden Martyrs because they kind of have to, and Hidden Martyrs, they might only ever get one point. Like, you're never going to see somebody take Assassinate on Zip, usually, because Zip is just so hard to pin down. Dreamer can do it because he targets willpower. That's one thing, yeah. like, you have to you have to look at um, what they bring. Uh, for instance, if they can ignore resistance triggers... Like 10 Thunders just has an upgrade that does it. So, you know, um, if you see McCabe, you see McCabe with a mask agent on it, Zip is probably going to go down because McCabe's <laughs> going to get to him. He's going to slow him. He's going to, you know, do move duels. He's got all these little cute tricks that um, Zip just can't defend. But if they've, yeah. just got, if they've just got defense attacks coming at you, not going to happen. Zip's going to bounce off all over the place and he's just going to be gone. I like, I love Zip. And it's funny because Zip actually plays really weird because Zip actually can't scheme at all. And Earl is the one that, Earl's the scheme runner. He's the one running around getting picked up and thrown to go scheme. And uh, Earl, cute thing to remember, Earl doesn't have to go with Zip. He can go with Maris, he can go with the Skeeter. 
he doesn't have to hang out with Zip. Um, yeah, I actually had a flying piglet uh, pick him up. Yeah, yeah, anything so, can. Yeah, flying piglets. Actually, that's cute. I didn't think about that. A flying piglet would be a great <laughs> little taxi for Earl. Um, but yeah, like anything can can make Zip. Uh, you know, because that that even puts makes Zip an even better denial because now you have to choose: do I try to deal with Zip? Or do I go after Earl? If I go after Earl, Zip's going to do his own thing and he's going to terrorize the side of the board. You know, because I would say you do want to kill Earl. Earl is absolutely an important person in this crew, even though he's the totem, because he he actually does a lot of. The, he's just doing the scheming while everybody else is just wrecking your face. Yep. And marker <laughs> removal. That is, um, yeah, man. Uh, there are just some crews that just get shut down. <clears throat> yeah, with free loot. Karis, you know, normally you can't remove Karis's markers. Uh, Zip does. If they bring uh, Titania, suddenly you're picking up her underbrush markers and punching her in the face with them. Um, I love grabbing shadow markers and punching people in the face with their own shadow markers. Of course, that begs the question: How is Mancha picking up a shadow and punching people with it? But you know, it's wrestling because he believes, John. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's wrestling. It's fine. It's it's all fake anyway. Yeah, it's good. It's good. He's but, hitting you with a goblin. It's yeah. fine. But I mean, like, if you rely on if you're Mei Feng and you rely on scrap markers, I'm gonna eat them. Like Mancha's, you're just fueling Mancha. So um, yeah, I, I love that aspect of Zip. He's so much fun to play. And, uh, and you, we haven't even mentioned the pianos yet. Yeah, he drops the he piano drops markers. Pianos. <laughs> and the thing about Zip, the and once again, you're back to. Zip in the Fluff is a super, super annoying guy who talks too much and, you know, just kind of, like, talks about himself, blows his own horn, like, mm-hmm. is genuinely obnoxious. And on the table, Zip is genuinely obnoxious. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I know a lot of people really hate the first mate just because of the threat this guy has. I mean, he, there's many times where I wait until the end of my like last two activations, I take a, um, I take an iron skeeter and I fly first mate up somewhere and I activate first mate, do his leap, charge into something and then just start murdering. Yeah. If he picks a flank and they don't have, um, like the, the best thing about him is that, uh, you can set him anywhere you need to on the board and then you respond to how they go. So if they bring their big beaters to one side, you send the first mate to the other side. Now they have to come all the way back over to stop the first mate or just let him terrorize that flank. Yep. Because, like, you always want to deploy him kind of, like, center board, uh, unless they've already deployed, and then you can put him wherever you want. But, like, if you go first and you put him center field, they have to decide which way they're going before you move first mate. And uh, that allows you to have that choice of being like, no, nope, he's going to go over here. Like he has leap. I don't care. You, you're you not going to yeah. pin him down and butterfly jump. Like. Well, and I think that's the thing about Zip's crew that if you love countering and if you love controlling kind of the, uh, the way the game's flowing, I mean, Zip counters so much stuff. I mean, I played against Rasputina and, my buddy's like, I'm going to put all these ice pillars down. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to fly over them because I don't care. Yeah. And yeah, that kind of nerfed everything she did. And then Mancha comes in behind him, picks up ice pillars and, you know, punches Rasputin Smacks in the him face. with the ice pillar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, and that's, and that's what Zip does. Like he, and he has a surprising amount of damage too. Like 
yeah. don't underestimate how much damage that gun can do. Um, I've definitely brought uh, Ma crew with Zip in it, and you know, Ma's loading him up with focus, and then Zip's flying in and just like decimating a crew and knocking them out of position and doing good damage to them. Like that's can't underestimate that. Yeah, and and putting and I think once again the thing that's huge about Zip is just the amount of repositioning he can do to his crew, but also the opponent's crew yeah. because you can really catch somebody out of position when they're trying to uh, score whatever they're trying to score. Yeah, absolutely. And GG1 position is a big deal. So, yeah, yeah Zip, Zip, uh, he went from being pretty good in GG0 to fantastic in GG1. Yeah. Yeah, there's been, like, almost any of the current strats I could see bringing... I could bring Zip. Uh, the only one that maybe I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would put him into um, public enemies as much, depending on what the other crew possibly could be. I play uh, just Zip be- kind of elite and okay. play with some pretty, like, Mancha's kind of hard to take down. First Mate's kind of hard to take down. Zip's hard to take down. Gracie's hard yeah. to take down. So, yeah, like, so maybe Public Enemy's not too bad. If there, the though. if the scheme pool fits, and I think that's where you that's where you look at Zip. Zip is um, he can do just about anything, but if the scheme pool fits, how much can Zip deny from their scheme pool? That's where he goes in. Like, is there is there any other like when you see a faction declared? Is there a faction where you're you see them declare, let's just say, ten thunders, and are you like then? Oh, I can't bring Zip then. I, I, Zip has some pretty hard counters in ten thunders, so yeah, yeah. I will, I will, I will kind of shy away from bringing Zip into thunders because I know that McKay with Mask Agent or Samurai with Mask Agent, like it's just going to ruin his day. Uh, okay, Samurai. Samurai is a hard, hard uh, model to deal with in Bayou. It's got yeah, big I, armor, lots of positive flips. I kind of lucked out with that because I played the Samurai once with Zip. And first mate just got lucky because my opponent forgot to... Um, kind of forgot about the fly with me because I didn't activate the Skeeter yet. Yeah. So he moved him up too far and the first mate just ate the Samurai. That'll happen. But like with McCabe, like... A fast samurai with the glowy sword or the oh, yeah. phantasmal mirror is just so hard to deal with. All right. Well, we got one more keyword. So we have the swamp fiend. So I think this is the keyword that most people just don't want to see. Just from my experience from people out of the Bayou faction, like it's almost like they're like, please don't bring Mama Z. Please don't bring Mama yeah. Z. I mean, obeys are. Obeys are one of the thing I think that makes uh, Malifaux sort of unique, and uh, there's does. not a lot of there's not a lot of obey styles, not a lot of I get to control your models in uh, in other war games. Yeah, um, so it's hard it's hard to deal with, especially for newer players. Like you have to you have to always worry if I move this model here, has Z gone? If she hasn't gone is that model going to punch me back? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't want that. You know, if, um, if my opponent's playing Levy and I'm playing Z, there are models in his crew that do damage to themselves. Like you don't want that. If a no. 
you don't want to bring one of the riders because Z is just going to eat all their tokens. <laughs> uh, you know, like... Well, and, and that's something I think newer players need to think about is, yeah, it's it's cool to obey your own stuff and it's cool to obey them to damage themselves. But really, you can start getting nasty when you start removing schemes and messing with the strat that they're trying to accomplish. And that's where obeys become really powerful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, so you got your big beater and you put two focus on him on turn one and you're feeling pretty good and you've moved him up. And then she walks in with a 13 because she's on a stat 7. So she's going to tie you no matter what, just about. And <laughs> uh, suddenly you're taking two actions and she's used both of your focus. And not only has your model gone in and destroyed your crew, but you've wasted that whole model's activation. Like, yeah. that turn one getting too focused, you just ruined it. Like, or big like uh, stuff like ashes and dust, or or mature nephilim, anything with like high move. Like you've just sent them twice across the table, and uh, what are they gonna do? Like I played against, um, I was playing Ray in one of the tournaments, and he played uh, Neverborn Zoraida, and like the lucky emissary, he did the trigger, and the next thing I know, it's twenty four inches back across the board, like. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, what do you do with that? And it's run over your own crew, so you have to do move duels for your own crew, and it's like, man. You just At that point, you just see, you can imagine the lucky emissary just being cursed out of its mind and just doing donuts around your own deployment, right. knocking your crew all over the place. Um, if you are a new player, though, I will say, don't tell your opponent to not play Z. Have your yeah, opponent that, play Yeah, that Z. is annoying. Learn, well, just because, like, Playing against masters like Z, you learn to play against them. If you learn to play against those control masters, you become better well, at the game. I was going to say, and it's not exclusive to her. I mean, there are even in Bayou, there are other masters that, and there's even other models like Old Cranky and and other models that have Obey in in the models. So I, I think it's just something you have to learn to play around Obey. And you just have to be flexible because your opponent's going to do it. And you got to figure out, okay, well, how do I react now? Or how can I punish my opponent for almost extending to do that? Yeah. So you just got to... Well, with Z, play. she doesn't have to extend to do that because now, she can I mean, hit you from 24, 24 inches away right. and has a trigger that'll make you do two two actions. Like, that's that's so huge in, uh, in so, how a model plays. like. Well, let me ask you then, John, what is in Bayou? What is she? So she's doing all that control stuff. What is the rest of her crew doing while she's obeying the other crew? Kind of like uh, Ma Tucket. You sort of have to pick your, you pick what Zareta crews are doing. They're okay. either going to go in and go all killy. You know, you're bringing First Mate, you're bringing Bad Juju, you're bringing Mancha, you're bringing Rami, um, you're bringing a Groot Slang, and you're just going hard in on them. Like, that's the, or great, you know, Gracie, whatever. And you're just yeah. like, all your crew is, is two Bocors and Elite Models punching people in the okay. face. So you can go that way. Or you go super schemey, you bring the Silurids, you bring um, a Groot Slang, you know, to, to move instead of attack at this point. You bring mm -hmm. a more scheme oriented maneuverable crew 
and she's kind of at the center of the of the web, moving them around and getting people into position and knocking your opponent out of position. So like you build, you have to determine which crew you want. Like you can't. I think you run into trouble when you build a crew that tries to be both aggressive and control scheme control board control because you don't have enough options. And the keyword itself outside of Bokor's, the Groot Sling is really good. First mate is pretty good, but, but the rest of the crew is not great. Like Gators are okay. Silurids are, are, they're very fast, but they go down pretty easy. Spawn Mother very rarely sees play. Gups very rarely see play. Like mm-hmm. uh, Wall Guys, I, I don't think I've seen one on the table yet. You know, they they just don't. I mean, have you them. you said you put it on the table once, right? Yeah, a Wall guy. Yeah, I put one Wall Guys I think on the table maybe at the beginning, like in beta. But yeah, other than that, like you know, you're not gonna see um, you're not gonna see them very often because they're just slow and they don't you know. They don't do as much. Maybe GG1 has room for them. I'd have to re reevaluate. But, um, you know, Zoraida, you have to pick what you want to do kind of ahead of the game, uh, which requires, yeah. a lot of, requires a lot of meta knowledge. So it's not like you're just going to grab Zoraida and be like, I am the king of Malifaux now because I have Zoraida. Well, it also might be with Zoraida where you don't just look at how your models interact, but then maybe when you use your obeys, you figure out how your opponent's models can help you reach your goal. Absolutely. So, I mean, you're really not only at that point knowing your crew, you have to know your opponent's crew as well. Uh, an important thing to remember with Zareda, if she obeys you, or any obeys, if she obeys you, drop a scheme marker. You drop one of your scheme markers, not an opponent's scheme marker. So she can yeah. have your opponent's models drop in your schemes for you, which is, you know, it's pretty big. Really good. Yeah, oh yeah. Especially at 24 inches away. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I need a scheme marker over here. Boom. It's the last activation of the turn. Cool. I'm gonna obey three models to drop three scheme markers, score breakthrough. Sweet. We did it. Yeah. Or or, <laughs> or spread them out. Boom, done. All right. All right, everybody, let's go home. We did it. Yeah, Good right. job. yeah we, we win. Yeah, because I, I was looking at her actual like keyword and I I and you can let me know if this is correct. I've heard people say that she's better in Neverborn than she is in Bayou. I mean, would you say that's correct? I think objectively, yes. Um, she has a lot of really, really good um, aggressive models to bring in. And But I think that she hasn't seen a Bayou champion yet. Nobody's really... No, somebody like, who just devotes to her. Yeah. I think if you saw that, I think if you saw somebody just say, I'm going to play Bayou Zareda for the next five tournaments... Uh, people would start bitching about her and, and being like, well, I, uh, I would crap. say challenge accepted, but she does not seem like my favorite, uh, <laughs> my favorite master out of the group. Uh, she's hard. She's so hard to play. You need reps with her for sure. Um, so this kind of leads me into, cause I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that's all the crews, right? Yep. Pretty, uh, we didn't so, talk about, no, we talked about everybody. Yeah. So this kind of leads me into my next kind of part of it with favorite crews. So the one that you can really see yourself, you like running it, you're pretty successful with it. Uh, and obviously I'm just getting into this, but it's it's really hard for me not to like big hat. I just, so once cool. I played, yeah, once I played it, I was like, man, this crew is fun. 
There's triggers all over the place. I feel like I have a lot of playability and a lot of control, even when my model's not activating. Whereas when other I play other crews, I like it. But there's some times where you're just like, man, please don't do this. Please don't do this. And then they do, and there's nothing you can do. Summer, uh, sometimes. Is, summer is one of those where you get these turns that just, uh, you can see the look on your opponent's face. <laughs> And they're just like, I, you know, because like, so they went, they attacked the model, they killed it. I get a shot. Like, uh, for instance, I've done this in a game where like, um, his big beater was on like half wounds or something like that. He goes yeah. in, he kills a good old boy. He needs to kill the good old boy because the good old boy has the, the lodestone. He kills okay. the good old boy. Triggers piggy and grin. Lenny pops up. Throws a Lenny. Pig throws a pig, gets the trigger, charges in, kills their model in the middle of that model's activation. Oh, wow. And there's just that look of like... And And they're just looking at you. And of course, Lenny was the closest one, so now Lenny is back into position to score Lodestone because he got the charge in to be in base contact again. And I just killed your big beater model. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) you know, in the middle of the activation, like... It's not even like it's my turn. It's your yeah, turn. It's like they're like I was supposed to be doing the thing, not you. Yeah, and like when you when you buy your two card uh, damage flip, and it's a red joker, and it's just like you know you get to a straight flip, you buy your two card, it's a red joker, done. and they're just like I I I hate you, I hate you because it's the second red joker I've seen this turn. Like, Maybe you know it's um, it, it doesn't make you friends. Normally, no, no. But um, when a big hat game I don't know, goes I don't know. wrong, it, it, yeah, I was gonna say it. It seems like a house of cards where it can go bad quickly. Yeah, if they kill the trifecta, is is Lenny, uh, Georgian Olaf, and Sommer. If you kill one of those three models, admittedly, they're not easy. Like with Lenny Zora, Georgian Olaf is a seven defense with hard to kill. You know, Lenny is pretty tough he's got soul stones you know sommer's got squeal built in soul stones like they're not easy to kill but if you can if you do get to them and you do you know focus them down then suddenly it's a it's a very it's a much harder game and uh i think that's where when you compare the two sandeep and and sommer i think that's where sandeep kind of gets a little bonus because a little more durable. <clears throat> he has better ways to protect himself. Like, yeah. you know, throwing up fire pillars or ice pillars or, you know, just, just a lots well, of different and San, ways. Well, Sandeep can also uh, trace line of sight through elements, right? Uh, not elementals, academics. Academics, that yeah. was it. Yeah. I, I knew it was one of yeah. them. But, Go ahead, John. But, uh, yeah, Big Hat is, is such a fun crew to play. Once you Once you start seeing, you know, you have your brilliant mind moments where you start seeing these places where, like, this happens here and then this happens here and then I can do this here. And you've got this turn planned out and your opponent goes, you know, you look at the board and you're like, my opponent has to do this to score. So I'm going to put this this, uh, Biogremlin, I'm just going to run this Biogremlin right here in his way. Now he's got to kill his Biogremlin in order to score. And it's like... Crap! My opponent is going to do exactly what I want them to do, and yeah, he's uh, going to kill it. I'm yeah. going to draw a card, and then I get to do things. Yeah, and that 13 in my hand is suddenly going to become dead model. 
Uh, it sounds like you like Big Hat a lot, but s- since I already picked that one, what would be the next crew that you're like, okay, I really love this crew? Uh, my favorite crew to play is Brewmaster. Okay. Once again, he's controlly. Um, he can switch gears real quick and just like suddenly punch people in the face. And uh, and I mean, the best part about Brewmaster is that once you're done with the game and, and you finish beating them, you can, uh, you know, especially like in a, in the the Durham area, we play at Atomic Empire and they have a uh, a bar. So you just buy your, you know, you, you, you beat your opponent with poison on the, the board. Then you go over and you buy him a beer to, you know, apologize. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Here you go. Yeah, like it's you know it's a win win. It's, it's even if you lose, it's a win. Um, but I love Brewmaster. He's just he's a lot of fun to play. It's just a cool model in general. Lots of little fun tricks and uh, just being able to like just drop poison out everywhere and then suddenly like oh yeah by the way I'm gonna hit your guy for you know twenty twenty two twenty three damage. Have fun with that. Pretty yeah, it seemed pretty good. <laughs> Not bad as they say. Yeah. Yeah, stone all that. Or like the one game we played where it was uh, McMorning versus uh, Brewmaster. Oh, that's miserable. No, it was hilarious. It's so hilarious. First of all, <laughs> Brewmaster has a little advantage in that that uh, that fight. That matchup. But uh, at one point, I realized when McMorning struck uh, Brewmaster, and I got the trigger, and McMorning had 22, 23 poison on him. Oh wow! And I was like, I could knock this guy clear across the board, like. <laughs> He's gonna go to the other player's game because they were playing a game next to us. Like he's I, gonna he's gonna go buy me a drink at the bar. Yeah, I just you know just smack him across the board. He's done. Like uh, he's never getting back to me. So Brewmaster's fun. I love Brewmaster a lot. Okay, and just a couple other little things here. Uh, so looking at new players in the Bayou faction, we talked about some that we wouldn't recommend, some that we would. Uh, I mean, what specific? master or crew are you like okay this would be good for a new player um if you can get your hands on the second edition box because it has all the enforcers you need to play um the ken box the Ophelia box is is just it's a it's a full just about full 50 stone crew right there in the oh box. is it wow yeah because it's uh it's all of our enforcers except for maris so it's everything you need to pretty much play uh right there Ma's another great one. Um, Zip is like Zip is good. I would say those three are probably like the good ones starting point right there. You want to go for is is Ma, Zip, and and Ken because like well, Lulix, you need like four other boxes to play him. Summer, oh, wow, you need really like did. four or five other boxes to play him. Like you know, uh, Wong doesn't have any real like firepower in his main box. Except for mm-hmm. Alphonse, so you really kind of like... Yeah, I saw those lightning bugs in his main box, and I was like, those just look stupid. I love them, though. They're good models. I, They're good <laughs> models. Well, uh, okay, I think we're talking about two different things. I think the models look stupid. That's I, fair. That's I think fair. you're saying the abilities look good. Yeah. Um, okay. But, yeah, like everybody else, you need, you know, three or four extra boxes to supplement to get to a good team. But with... Mm-hmm. Zip, Ma, and uh, and Ophelia, you really only need like one, maybe two more purchases and you're there. And there's a lot of like build over. So for instance, if you mm-hmm. get any of those three and you buy Gracie, you can play Gracie in all three. Yeah, there's like another, yeah. that's easy, eight stones that could go in any of those crews. If you buy Zip, you can put the first mate in uh, 
You can put the first mate in Ma. You can put the first mate in Ken. No problem. Uh, I mean, first first mate can go anywhere. Let's yeah. just be honest. Uh, Rami <laughs> will show up in a Ma crew a lot because he ignores armor. Yeah, I saw. He's pretty slick. Yeah. Yeah. Real good. Yeah. Undercosted. Um, fantastic. Like, so all of those three, I think they play really well on like being able to, if you just bought, went in and just bought those three boxes, you, and buy those three boxes, buy Gracie, buy the Emissary box, you've got your crew. That gives you a lot of play around. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, so the last question I want to ask about Bayou, and this is one that I'll ask with every one of these we do. Look, obviously when you go to a tournament, it's all about kind of the player. But, I mean, if I take a Bayou faction to a tournament, I mean, are they pretty competitive where if I play similar skill or higher players, I mean, am I going to be able to compete well with the Bayou? Or are there just some matchups where it's like, man, if you see this, you're kind of just done? Um, They're pretty competitive. I would say, like, in the tearing out Malifaux is... It's tough. Like, I, I can't... I cannot, for I mean, obviously I'm new into it, John, but for the life of me, I can see that there's some powerful things, but there's powerful things in every faction. So it's tough to tier it because the factions have so many different masters in them. Yeah, I would say the lack of top level players just gravitating to Bayou, and and part of it is probably the the bias. Um, you know, they are the silly, they are the zany you know, crazy faction. I think people yeah. sometimes will, will fall away from it. But um yeah, if you if if one of the the you know the top level players in the game, if Cody picked up Bayou and started playing Bayou, uh a weird place would be full of I hate Bayou within <laughs> weeks. You know, like that's just that's just how it is. Like, you know, if uh Jamie Varney in the UK said, uh, I'm going to, you know, just focus in and, and play Bayou. He did play Bayou for a little bit, and he did pretty well um, in, like, one tournament or so uh, with them. But, like, if he just jumped in and said, I'm going to play uh, Bayou this year, by the end of the year, the Nerf Bayou would be, you know, the, the biggest thing on, like, they're good. They're competitive. They got everything they need. Um, yeah. I, I will say that there's – there's a lot to unpack with Bayou and they're not always the most direct with their path to victory, but I kind of like that. And I think that kind of really makes it where as a player, you can really create a lot of unique scenarios that can really surprise opponents of similar skill or even higher skill. If they're not, if they're not ready for it and they're not seeing it. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait but till somebody would... picks up Wong and and really <laughs> turns him up. And and maybe I'm not that player. I haven't really given him as fair a shake as as I should have probably. Like maybe yeah. I need to just do that and just jump on him and and. Uh, I'm not gonna go. lie, not gonna be me, John, because I think he looks stupid. <laughs> like not the way he plays. I'm talking about. I'm I'm kind of one of those guys where unless it's really good, if the model looks stupid, I'm not gonna play it. That's but fair. if it's like if it's broken. And it's gonna really help me win the game. Sure, I can look past it, but if it's just kind of meh, I can't get past it. Then that's fair. Swinecurst are fantastic models. I now I do have a ton of Swinecurst. I think I actually have four of them, and I think I can only bring three. <laughs> two. two, two. So I got two more than I'll ever need. Yeah, no, Swinecurst are great models. They're awesome looking models, and the Pigapult's a fantastic model. 
Um, you know, I love the uh, I love the stuffed piglets. Um, I don't like the the sculpt for the Alphonse model. I think they missed the boat there. He could have been much more interesting than just a shirtless giant gremlin. Um, yeah. But you know, whatever. I'll uh, I'll still play him because he's he's a solid model. But uh, yeah, yeah, like. That moment of, I think that moment where somebody really like tunes into Wong and drops him in three rounds in a tournament, and you've got three opponents going. I don't know what just happened to me. Well, we what? <laughs> yeah, like this guy sucks. Everybody says he sucks, but I just lost. I tell you what, there is something to be said for a dark horse. Uh, I play a lot, of, a lot of tabletop games, and. I tell you, if you get really tuned in with a faction or a uh, a crew and people aren't as familiar with it, you can really catch people. Yeah. Well, it's that way with uh, with Ophelia right now. Um, you just don't see her because, you know, Ma with uh, her focus bomb before the before, before the, the nerf, the nerf was so big that like people didn't really bother with uh, with Ophelia. And uh, you put her on the table and they're like, oh, it's a gremlin. I'm going to kill her. And then she survives. And then she turns around and just deletes models. And you're going, what just, how? Oh, but, she's my, she's my next master. I'm putting on the table. She looks like fun. And you're like, there's a squishy faction. I don't get it. <laughs> so yeah, I love, um, I love that, uh, that surprise kind of round you can pull on people. Um, eventually they'll figure it out, but gremlins are flexible. Like, you can you can always throw in a new trick, and suddenly they're having to look at this completely different vector. Like here comes a you know a pork chop and two bayou smugglers. Like where the heck did that come from? I, I I will notice though, or I will say that I noticed with Bayou that sometimes you really gotta not be too proud to kind of just tuck tail and run. Because I've had it plenty of times where Bayou just, they're squishy, right? Most models in a Bayou faction are squishy. And there's sometimes when you see the damage coming, you just got to reposition and get the hell out of there because it can get bad quick. Well, you're playing, uh, you're playing Sommer. So I'll give you the, uh, the, my personal style of play. And like, if you talk to Oliver, he plays them a little bit differently. Um, but my personal style of play is acceptable losses. Every model yeah, sacrifice. Well, you're playing with two point gob or gremlins at that point, yeah. right? Yeah, and and sometimes the correct play is to red joker four body gremlins in. It doesn't <laughs> seem like it is, but it but it could be like that's, that's four more yeah. activations, and that's four more chances for a gremlin crier you've already got on the board to obey in a, and interact. Like it's it's four more. You can't. You can't devalue four more activations, even if they're four insignificant activations. Yeah, and I, I just I like the gremlins for that, just because. I mean, it, it's adding to your Bayou Bash. It's adding to card draw if they kill it, which is giving you a shot, and you can use the crier to go scheme with them. So it, it is one of those things where it's just like, yeah, there are two points, but I mean. If you kill it, you're only helping me out. And if you can, you always want to try to have the card to summon whatever model you need for the turn and a Bayou Gremlin. Because yeah, you told me that, and that was valuable. Yeah, you trade a card for a card. Like you, you know, you're trading your summon card for a card in the bank later on in the turn. Yep. 
And they're going to have to kill your biogremlins because their biogremlins are going to shoot them off the board if they don't kill them. Uh, so last thing I do want to talk about, John, because I, I mean, I haven't gone to a lot of real people tournaments yet because obviously right. of the situation, but yeah. I definitely plan on doing it once that's a thing again. But one thing we didn't talk about was just general Bayou upgrades. So you mentioned them kind of in passing, but what are a couple of the Bayou upgrades that you're like, okay, these are ones I take from time to time. Uh, 12 cups shows up a whole lot. Yeah. 12, 12 cups shows up a whole lot. It's so good. Um, it's, you know, for, you can't mark territory is insanely good. If you're not playing zip, people are going to drop markers so you can blow them up, get focus. Um, that's another cute little trick with buy it with brewmaster too, is he can step in and, and get a, uh, surprise. Oh, look, I just ate your two markers that you dropped and now I'm <laughs> focused too. enjoy that. Um, yeah, thanks a lot. Inferiority complex, uh, playing big hat. It's always on Georgie and Olaf. So what does that give Georgie and Olaf that you like? It gives them a, anytime they like, you want to walk as little as possible in a game. But you're always going to have to walk at least once. So that walk basically becomes two actions. You walk, get a focus. So mm -hmm. they always, you always want focus on uh, Georgian Olaf because they, they're your main blast for, um, you know, hitting your piggy and grin. So it gets that. Plus, if there's any terrifying, manipulative, that sort of thing, um, it gives them that ability to have ruthless so they don't care about that. Yeah, which is, which is good because, I mean, there's not a lot of... There's not a lot of stuff in Bayou that can get around Terror, so that's definitely good that that's one of it. Yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, those are the two that are the main ones. Um, Ghillie Suit is a defensive one, and it shows up, like, specifically. Like, I like it on Lenny because it gives him the ability to see more people for his aura. Um, yeah. You know, and, and specifically because, like, you know, a smart opponent is going to try to block line of sight. But if he's size four... They're gonna have a hard time doing that. Yeah. Um. You know, a and plus he can't be charged, so it just adds on to his like, you can't kill me. Um. Same thing for Wong. A lot of people put Gilly suit on Wong because he needs to be able to see people to do his uh, the glow bonus to get to get stuff back, and uh, he's size one, so you need to be able to see over all your size one guys. Um, yeah. So you know, it's a cute little trick. Um. There's a I haven't seen many people take it. It's probably not worth taking, um, but there's a cute little interaction with the uh, spit hog. Okay. If you give a spit hog um, ghillie suit, it gets the uh, bonus action sidearm, so it can shoot okay. someone at a stat seven. Uh, that seems pretty good. No stat six. So body bash me stat eight. So it shoots at a stat eight. It's not a big shot, but spit hog has the ability discard a card force another model in interact or a friendly mod when it does damage you can discard a card and another friendly model in line of sight takes an interact <laughs> so nice. you could potentially have this pig turret like you know shooting one shot a turn to drop an interact where someone doesn't expect it i don't know that it's good i've never actually done it um but it's a cute trick you could possibly do so um, nice i i would say Inferiority Complex comes on pretty often. 12 Cups is probably in almost every list. And Ghillie Suit is a very specific... I have a, a, a very specific thing that needs to be done with it. 
Yeah, I, I took your advice on one of the ghillie suits and I put it on uh I, I put it on Iron Skeeter so I could, you know, chauffeur um, Macho around and mm-hmm. and that was pretty good. Yep. And then it can't be just char- charged either, which is just, you know, it's just bonus. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh Bayou is a great faction. I, I would definitely tell people that it's not only fun, but there are just a lot of really creative things. I would I know there's a lot of jank in Malifaux, but I feel like that the Bayou faction, depending on the master, there's a lot of jank in, in Bayou because there's so many, there's a lot of triggers I've noticed in Bayou that can really lead to some creative uh, scenarios. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many times that like you have opponents just go, wait, it can fucking do that? <laughs> like, son of a, What? No, like, but come again. Yeah, like when you when you kill somebody in the middle of their activation. That, yeah. No, no, that's not right. Like that's that's not right. <laughs> you know, it's like or, do you want me to throw my fate deck at you because this is how I throw my fate yeah. deck at you. Or like playing against Titania and uh, they got their Gorar, which will become a hooded rider when you kill the hooded rider. And it's yeah. like they keep it in the back behind all their underbrush markers, and the lucky emissary pushes twelve inches takes out two underbrush markers and then charges the Gerar and kills it on turn one. Yep. And they're like, but uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Not sorry. No, no, not sorry at all. Cause you don't want two hooded riders. I, I know that sounds awful. <laughs> I think that's going to cover it. We got a lot covered with Bayou. Uh, I imagine that most of these faction um, episodes are going to take a while, which is good because I know people are craving Malifaux content. I've had, I've had a lot of people like when I put out the one episode say, yeah, man, this is great. I love it. And then I have other people message me for like, man, I want some more. And I'm like, okay, all right, all right. I'm getting my feet wet. Let me get comfortable first. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, it's, it's hard. Like, Play the games. Um, Vassal, once you get used to it, it's not so bad. Um, it doesn't come hold a candle to a real game, but no. hopefully, you know, I know in Australia they just had a tournament, so go Australia, um, getting back to normal. Um, who knows in the United States when we're going to, you know, see an end of this mess. But, uh, yeah, play Vassal. Like, that's, you know, get on there, play Vassal. The cool thing about playing Vassal is, uh, you can play people in the UK. You can play people yeah. in, you know, across the United States. You can play C play styles you've never seen before. So, you know, while we're stuck in the house, just just take the time and do it. All right, well, John, any shout outs or anything else you want to kind of uh, share before we get out of here? If uh, you guys want to read my articles, go ahead. That's awesome. I appreciate feedback. Um, I enjoy doing them, so I'll keep doing them even if I don't get feedback. But if you guys, uh, yeah, it, like, you know, just, just absolutely let me know. Um, and especially if you're into Bayou and you want to know more about Bayou um, and you just want it written down because like podcasts are cool, but some people just need to see the written, you know, and be able to go yeah. back and reference. Um, so if you have anything specifically that you want me to write about Bayou, let me know and I will definitely have it on the Bayou Breakdown. I'm going to try to write an article each week. Like that's my goal. Uh, even if it's just a a fluff battle report piece. Cause I got nothing better to do. Let me know. Yeah. And I, I, I would say that was great because, um, it is nice as a content creator when you realize like, okay, people are appreciating it. So it is good to get feedback because then you know, like what people want to hear or what they want to read. 
And that was one of the cool things about yours. I was like, hey, man, well, what about, you know, when to bring dual masters? And you're like, okay, well, the UK people will ignore us, but uh, (laughs) we'll go ahead and talk about it. Yeah. I mean, and it has to be talked about because, you know, uh, and all throughout beta, they were like, we were like, we don't really like this. Like, it's a cool concept, but it doesn't feel like it feels like it's too much to balance around. And Weird was like, we're going to do it. So if it's in the game, you you need to know about it. Like you know, it's just um, it's just one of those things. Yeah, it, it's and it's it's cool because I do like the idea of it, but it does. T- and I think this is kind of the challenge Bayou has sometimes because, and you talked about this in the article. Just some masters don't mesh with each other, and it just takes away with what that keyword's trying to do. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, you know. Ma Zip, Ma Summer, Ma Ophelia, you know, Zareda and anybody, like, those make sense. But, like, Ulix is never going to be a second master. <laughs> no, poor you Ulix. Know, like, there, there's just, there's some masters that are just never going to do it. But there's some times where it is the right choice. Like, when you look at oh, public oh, enemies yeah. and you're like, it is it is the right choice. Like, um, Yeah, I was playing... Um... It was in the first league that we did that I ran and I was playing Hamlin and I was playing against a guild player and which one of the masters that guild has, I believe it's, is that Lady J who puts out all the blast markers? Sonya. Or is that Sonya? That's Sonya. So yeah, they brought her as a counter pick to Hamlin and I just, it was miserable. I did not have fun that game. No, no, you will not. You will not have fun against Sonya. <laughs> Not with all my rats. Sommer doesn't have fun against Sonya either. Stupid guild. <laughs> Burn it down. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on. Make sure everybody else, you check out the YouTube channel. We put on online content there at least once a week. Uh, also, if you want to become a patron, we just changed our levels so that you can donate for as little as a dollar if you want to support the podcast directly. And then finally, don't forget to check out Twitter and Facebook for our Rage Quit Wire pages where uh, the Twitter is more active than the Facebook is, but we still always put episodes and everything else on the Facebook page. So um, until then, thanks again, John, for coming out. And we're going to always make sure that we flip them cards and flip them tables. And we'll see you all next time. 